Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. I hate to ask you about an injury first, but can you update us on Trevor? And just have you ever seen a game in which you lose nickel corner receiver, left tackle quarterback? It just, you know, interior defensive lineman just seemed like a very odd game. Yeah, um, I don't have any information yet on Trevor. We're still evaluating him, you know, so he'll have more, um, you know, uh, tests and things done here tonight and tomorrow. So I'll probably have a better update for you tomorrow on that. But, I mean, yeah, we had position players go down you know but look that's it's part of the game you know it, it happens and and um it's unfortunate but you know next guy up has to has to be ready to go and play it's an unusual occurrence that we start a show the morning after a primetime game with something other than a highlight a sound bite something from you know, the game. But last night's injury information, specifically to one player in particular, the starting quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, the latest starting quarterback to have a cloud over his ongoing availability, Trevor Lawrence. That's really the headline here. Yes, the Jaguars lost a game they could have won, but at the end of the day, there may be more, especially with your Cleveland Browns and the prior Cleveland Browns next on the docket for the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I say your Cleveland Browns because with me today, Miles Simmons here on a Tuesday. Chris will be back on Monday. Miles, kind enough to get up extra early in Los Angeles or places close to Santa Monica. Is that where you live, Santa Monica? <laughs> yes. Is that it? Did I finally remember? <laughs> yes, you did. Congratulations. Remember. You also said Sims is going to yeah, be back really on Monday, forward. which is, is I like, I don't think that's right. So just, you know, to correct the record, make sure you, you say what? the right thing here. What? You what? said Sims will be back What's on right? Monday. It's it's not, I, I don't Tuesday. think that that's correct. Wednesday. Oh, oh yeah, Wednesday, go. Tuesday, day. It ends in Y. Dang you. There you go. Who we meet. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know boy, if they would have known that. Smooth you know, opening, like, too. Such a smooth opening until I inadvertently and unknowingly screwed it up. Thank you for pointing out in my in my infirmity as I get old and forgetful that tomorrow is not Monday. Thank you for pointing that out. And I already have a a, a bone to pick with you because oh I was looking forward 
to two hours with you today. It's been a little while since we've done this. It has. And I sit down well in advance of the start of the show relative to other days when I've sat down just as the screen goes black in advance of the start of the show. And Uh we do the mic check to make sure that Miles can hear me and I can hear Miles. And I said, Miles, can you hear me? And there was a little bit of a delay. And he said, yes, I can hear you. And he said it in a way that caused me to say, you sound disappointed about that. And basically, you admitted that you're disappointed that you heard me. What I said was, Mr. I used to practice law for a living. Uh, what I actually said was, I am disappointed by a lot of things. Now, that does not Which mean implies- that I was disappointed to hear your voice. No, no, no. You, you can read into that all you want. But I don't know that that really means I am disappointed to hear you. <laughs> I, I just What's said that what commercial? I said. What's that commercial oh, let's where check they throw the, replay. the red challenge flag yeah. uh, yes, and they yeah, replay the, real life things? Yeah. We have, yeah, we have the replay. Company. We can bring it back. <laughs> yeah, we can bring it back. I don't want to give them free advertising sound- if they're not an actual sponsor of the show. But yes, that is an yeah. insurance company that does that. <laughs> well, any insurance companies that do advertise with NBC Sports, PFT Live, Peacock, etc., would be disappointed if we mentioned the other insurance company that it was that does the red challenge flag. But I said you sound disappointed to hear my voice, and you said I'm disappointed by a lot of things, which implies, I think, to the average reasonable person that you are indeed disappointed to hear my voice and many other things, which I thought, you know, I wouldn't think you'd be like that. You live in that paradise known as the Los Angeles area. I mean, who wouldn't want to live in L.A. other than me? You? Yeah, so, uh, exactly. Uh, anyway. By the way, by the way, I'm disappointed today generally, and I'm carrying around. we got to get back to the game, and we will. But give me the privilege of sharing something that really bothers me. Now, on one oh, hand, boy. it doesn't bother me, but it does bother me. Okay? Okay. I have been – for most of my life, since I was 10 years old, a huge fan of the band Kiss. And oh, yeah. I kind of realized early on that, okay, the music isn't all that great. They've been writing one song for 50 years, Rock and Roll All Night and Party Every Day, and they've had others. That's Beth song. was an accidental hit. I was made for loving you. Their nod to disco that they hated for years, but then I think they brought it back into their repertoire. They've had other songs that have just kind of been classics, but like a lot of the songs they play in concert are from their very first album in 1974. There's a lot of money grab that they have been about. I've always looked the other way on that. I'm a capitalist. Mm -hmm. You want to make money? Make money. When you're 10, 11 years old, prepubescent, and you see fire and explosions and the garish makeup, the kabuki theater and all the stuff they do. Gene Simmons spits a ball of fire and he, he spits fake blood everywhere. And it was great. Saw him in concert eight or nine times over the past 45 years. So I'm going somewhere with this counselor. So Uh, thank you. (laughs) Saturday night, wrap it up button from Chappelle show. Saturday night, get I finish? Saturday night was their final show ever, billed for months as their last show ever at Madison Square Garden. And my nephew, who is just a year or two older than you, who lives in Brooklyn, I took him to see Kiss in 1997. They did what they called the Lost City Tours, another money grab. They went to all these little rinky-dink towns and just stuffed more cash in their pockets. They performed in my hometown 
in an arena there that I didn't think was big enough to hold them, but they did. I took him. He was nine. He wanted to go. And we said for a while we were going to go, but as we got closer and closer to the date, something held me back from buying tickets because I felt like, even though they say it's their last show ever, I have become convinced that their unending greed, grab more cash, get more money, was going to cause there to be some sort of exception, proviso, addendum, where it really wasn't the last show. And I was right, sort of. At the very end of their final show ever, they trot out this ridiculous notion that they're going to continue on with digital avatars that apparently are going to go city to city and perform where they press a button and there's like a hologram or something on the stage. And what that has done to me over the past 24 hours, it's like wiped clean any affection, any nostalgia, like I'm just done with them in one moment. I'm just done with them. So not only do I feel good that I didn't go to that show on Saturday night, I'm just disappointed. My heroes have fi- – I've finally believed what everyone told me all those years. I've finally accepted that it's just one big grift. And, yeah, it's fun to go to one of their shows, but they just grabbed every last dollar they could. They kept touring years after they should have stopped. I went to see them in March of 2019, and it's like these guys shouldn't be like – they can barely walk. And now they're going to run, jump, fly, shoot fire out their eyes, whatever the folks at Industrial Light and Magic who they've hired to, to do this spectacle have convinced them to do. So I've just been – that's been bothering me. My friend sent me the link to the story about it yesterday, and I thought it was fake. It's like this – there's no way. I thought they'd just go hire four tw- guys in their 20s and teach them things like Beatlemania – which was something in the 70s after the Beatles broke up that was just like a tribute band. Just get a glorified tribute band and put them on tour. I thought that's what they would do. I'd prefer that to this weird thing that is going to convince more people to go throw their money into the pockets of Kiss. Anyway, it's just bothered me from the moment I saw it. But I also am very happy. I'd be even more pissed if I had gone to New York City on Saturday night, gone to that show, and found out at the very end that they're going to do this digital avatar bullcrap going forward. So, so this show is my respite from this thing that's been bothering me. And my bubble okay. gets popped when I sit down and say hello oh, to Miles. There it is. I say hello. Yeah. Wow, that was pretty good. Control wow, room. Well, there it is. There they are. Room. It's like they're it's like the Madden game for KISS. And it's like guitar hero <laughs> version of KISS, as somebody pointed out on Twitter yesterday. Yeah. To rock forever. Guess what, guys? Forever isn't gonna last long because your fans if I'm indicative of the average KISS fan, they're out. It's over. It's done. Just go count your money and enjoy your retirement. It's done. Nobody's going to pay to go see that. Sorry. It's over. It's done. All right. On to the show. On to the show. Oh, wow. I don't, even, I, can I don't even get a chance to respond. You talk for like eight minutes and I'm like, I get no reaction. Why, why am I here? First of all, you, you just well, sounded I, like Livia. I don't know. Well, okay, I I don't really know either, but I guess we'll see. I was disappointed by that thing that you just, yeah, that you just did where you talk for five minutes about Kiss, and I don't even get a chance to respond, so that's one more thing I'm disappointed by. taking up your time now. (laughs) I know, but you sound like Livia Soprano with it's all just one big nothing, so that's one thing. (laughs) Second thing, (laughs) I think it's interesting that Kiss is doing that, 
And I just bought a ticket for the Rolling Stones to perform at SoFi Stadium in 2024. And those dudes rock, man. The last time they were here in 2021, they were awesome. And they, I believe, are older than all the people in KISS. And, you know, Mick Jagger's still running around the stage like he's 20 years younger than he actually is. So there is a way for old musicians to still go out there and rock. Also going to buy tickets to the continuation of the Unlimited Love Tour for the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which is going to go on again next summer. So, you know, I mean, I've already seen three of those shows. I plan on seeing maybe one, maybe two more. It's awesome. So I'm sorry that your rockers are disappointing you. Mine are not. Hopefully at this age, the Red Hot Chili Peppers perform in more than socks. I hope they've gotten to that point. Yes, they do do Um, that. Yes. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. And yeah, the Rolling Stones, that's a great juxtaposition because Kiss should be rolling in wheelchairs at this point. And and part of the problem is all the years of the way they perform in these giant platform shoes where they did run and jump. And <laughs> there are so many old videos on YouTube of Kiss shows from back in the 70s. And even like one of my favorite performances of theirs from the MTV Music Awards in 1996, performing live under the Brooklyn Bridge, rock and roll all night. And you could just feel the energy then and how they moved and how different it is it's been 27 years they're in their 70s but it's just it's just sad and it's sad that they're going to continue this money grab into the future indefinitely and i think indefinitely is not going to be very long because i just don't think that the average fan is going to buy this and go see a kiss show but you know what they've done is they've gotten older they just distract you with more fire more explosions more noise, more everything, and the performers have become kind of secondary to this right. huge stage and all the all the different things that are happening at any given moment. So anyway, anyway. Sounds like something that should be in bothering. Vegas, honestly, like, and, and nowhere well, else. Maybe that's where it'll be, but at yeah. a certain point, nobody's going to show up. At a certain we point, we can go see I it during like Super Bowl think. week, Mike. That'd be so fun. You don't want to go see a Kiss show like with avatars in Vegas during Super Bowl week? A nice chance for us to bond as I make up that this is actually going to exist by the time we go to the Super Bowl in February. Yeah, it's not going to be. <laughs> I want to go to the U2 thing at the Sphere. I do want to do yeah. that. Oh, me too. In Las yeah. Vegas, I, I do want to yeah. do that. But, but, but anyway, I, I just it's it just. I've never experienced this before because there's been nothing other than, you know, like the Minnesota Vikings that I've been loyal to all these years and, and takes me back to, you know, the things that take you back to when you were a kid. The NFL takes me back to when I was a kid. Kiss takes me back to when I was a kid. And just like in one fell swoop, it's like all that's gone. Like I'm, it's gone. It's just done. You've lost me. It took 45 years, but Kiss has finally lost me. Not that they care, but – I care. It bothers me. They've lost me. And anyway, on to the show. On to the show. Hopefully we haven't lost many of the audience. But as I was starting to say earlier, I can promise that at some point I will be done. There will be no AI version of me that you'll have to deal with into the future posting stories in my copy-paste snarky comments style. That won't happen. I say that for now. But you know what? Maybe that's not a bad idea. Maybe maybe we can do if, if, hey. If Sports Illustrated can do it, another Uh thing that dates back to my childhood that's been ruined in the last week. If Sports Illustrated can do it, why can't we? The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal 
and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. <laughs> oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. Yeah, well, I mean, I I don't want that to happen because as an employee of Pro Football Talk, like I think that that is not a great thing, you know? I, I like that uh, all of us are actually real human beings that maybe I only see once or twice a year in the case of some people, but not all, you know? But it, it is still a website that is run by actual humans and not, you know, just AI people that can be purchased off of a website via a third party and you are still writing your snarky comments, at least for now. What, what would be easier to deal with, though, the real me or the digitized version of me based on the, all these years of my behavior? The, the digitized version, because it's not real and I could ignore it easy, more easily. <laughs> so wait, that would be better to deal with? Is that what you're saying? Better to deal with or worse? It would be better to deal with for me personally, because then it wouldn't be a real human. But at the same time, I don't like the whole notion of like robots ruling the world. Right. And everybody, I mean, on John Oliver, they did the thing where it's like, Oh, you know, everybody's talking about AI with Terminator and technically I've never seen Terminator. So I don't know, but you know, the whole AI stuff, like, you know, you, you see the Boston dynamics things with the dogs and the robot dogs and they're opening the doors and they're doing this. And they're like, they got the construction guy and he's jumping up and doing these different things. And it's kind of like, hey, you know, I don't, I don't know if we want to do all of that, all this all so fast. You know, we, we might need a little bit of legislation to make sure that things are all on the up and up before we just turn our lives over to robots. Hopefully by the time I would die or retire, though, the AI would be advanced to the point where the digitized version of me that would be texting on the PFT thread would also ignore your text like I do. In the <laughs> yeah, that would that's the that'd be the good advanced AI stuff. That'd be really good because you do ignore text the, all the time. That'd be part of the part of the algorithm. Ignore this number. All right. Uh, we, we can no longer ignore what happened last night. The Cincinnati Bengals went to Jacksonville and upset the Jaguars in overtime. We've had some unexpectedly entertaining primetime games this week. Now, Cowboys-Seattle, there was some hype attached to it, but Seattle felt overmatched going into the game. They gave the Cowboys a better game than expected and almost won it in a very high-scoring affair. The Packers upset the Chiefs on Sunday night, and then the Bengals upset the Jaguars on Monday night. And they get it done with Jake Browning at quarterback, who looked great. I, I was watching SportsCenter after the game last night. I think it was Scott Van Pelt that said, accurately, if you just look at the numbers, you would think Joe Burrow played. Like, Jake mm -hmm. Browning had a solid, 
better than solid night, leading the Bengals to that victory, making the most out of Jamar Chase, making big throws in big spots. Game plan used a lot more of Joe Mixon than we saw in the loss to the Steelers, where Mixon just was a non-factor. Mixon was a big factor last night. And the Bengals shredded a defense that was becoming one of the best defenses in the NFL. They put up well over 400 yards against one of the best defenses in the NFL, which makes me wonder how good is that defense? Well, right. It it shows that there are a lot of flaws with all the AFC contenders, I think, Mike. And, you know, like you said, with Jake Browning, you would think that it was almost Joe Burrow out there statistically. But really, that was the best statistical game that a Cincinnati quarterback has had all season long. And, you know, of course, Joe Burrow had the calf going into the regular season, and that affected things for sure. But, you know, then he had the wrist injury, and now he's out for the rest of the season. But I, I think that if the Bengals had gotten off to a better start and then Jake Browning had come in and he'd been playing more like this as opposed to the way he played against the Steelers where he really showed, he, he's got some stuff to him, you know, and the Bengals might be more of a contender than we think of them as right now. And it's just... I think that there are too many good teams in the AFC for them to really make a push into the postseason, but they're at least going to be entertaining to watch over the last five weeks of the year, it looks like. But they now enter this cluster of teams at six and six. There are a bunch of teams that are seven and five or six and six that are going to be competing for essentially all of the wild card spots. That's the thing. There's yes. three playoff spots up for grabs. In the NFC, it's kind of a wide open race for two. In the AFC, mm-hmm. it is fully wide open for three spots. And you've got the Steelers sinking now with Kenny Pickett yeah. out for two to four weeks, reportedly. The Browns is the Browns again. Two losses in a row. Disastrous road trip. Worst road trip for the franchise since they packed up and moved to Baltimore, frankly. The Colts are rising at 7-5, and five, but they're still the Colts without their starting quarterback. And then look at all those teams. You got seven teams in a game of musical chairs with three seats. And you know who's happy about all this? I mean, the Bengals are back in it, so they have to be happy about it. The Bills have got to be thrilled with what's oh, yeah. happened lately. Oh, when yeah. When you look well, at the Steelers, fun. down, Browns, down. There's an opening for the Bills to get in, and they could be very dangerous if they get in. I know they're supposed to be about, about the Bengals. I think the Bengals could be dangerous if they get in, and the Bills could be dangerous if they get in. See, I, I brought it back to Monday night by throwing the Bengals in there too. But some of those teams on the outside looking in, like if you're among the best teams in the AFC, you don't want them to make it. Well, right. I mean, right now, as we look at that graphic and the, two, and the three teams that are in the wild card spots, none of them have their starting quarterback. Right. So whether it's Kenny Pickett, whether it's Deshaun Watson, whether it's Anthony Richardson right now, it's Mitchell Trubisky, Joe Flacco, probably because Thompson Robinson is still in concussion protocol. And frankly, Joe Flacco looked leagues better than Thompson Robinson, except for that stupid interception he threw. But we don't necessarily need to talk about that. And then also Gardner Minshew, who is a bit of a roller coaster as a full-time starting quarterback. So, yeah, the Bills, certainly advantage there, right? You know, you look at the Texans, advantage there because their quarterback is playing great. So these are all things that if Jake Browning can continue to have his play at that level, yeah, the Bengals can make some noise. I just – there's a time where the clock strikes midnight on a, on a backup quarterback, as you have learned, certainly with Josh Dobbs, yes. right? And that's kind of what I would think would be coming – for the Bengals, 
But for at least one night, you know, Jake Browning was great. He was terrific. He made every single throw he needed to make. And the players around him helped him make those plays, you know, for the most part, with the exception of Tyler Boyd throwing the interception. But I, I just thought that when Zach Taylor said, all right, let's really let this guy go. You know, let's let him make plays. We got to trust him. And we got to say that our receivers are good enough that they're going to make plays like Jamar Chase did there where he's one-on-one. And that's exactly what you should do. That's what Joe Burrow would do. Throw it up to him. He's going to make a play more times than not. Um, That's the kind of thing you want out of your backup quarterback. And, you know, makes plays with his legs too. That was a big run right there. So I, I feel good about what Jake Browning did. I just, I don't know how sustainable it's going to be, Mike. Well, the reality is you get more film on what he's doing. You figure out how to make him rattled and jumpy. And there was a period late in the game where he seemed rattled and jumpy. A couple of false starts. He just seemed discombobulated. I love the close-up shots of quarterbacks during games because their demeanor and their facial expressions can tell you a lot. And there was a period where I thought this guy's just a game-changing interception waiting to happen. Like one more snap and it's going to go. It just felt like he was reaching the limit of what he could do before the wheels came off. And I said well over 400 yards, 491, almost 500 yards of offense last night by the Cincinnati Bengals. They did everything they needed to do. Now, their defense wasn't great either to give up 31 points and to allow C.J. Beathard to come in late and force overtime. But the Bengals... The Bengals have to feel good about last night. And quarterback play is ultimately going to be the difference, I think. For those seven teams, the three that get in are going to be carried there by their quarterbacks. And that gives the Texans, the Bills, and for now the Broncos the edge. Because Russell Wilson's quietly been a great redemption story. And he's one of the very few quarterbacks this season who has yet to be injured. There's, there's a small mm-hmm. handful of guys who haven't had some injury issue. Knock on wood, man. 13 weeks. Well, and... And it's him and it's Tua and it's Lamar Jackson. Although Lamar Jackson got banged up in that Thursday night game a couple of weeks ago, he didn't miss any time. And it wasn't an injury problem that lingered into the next week. Mahomes was banged up a little bit earlier, though. He had a hand thing. He's been on the injury report. I'm talking about guys who have been clean all year. Clean all year. Yeah, clean all year. Tua, Lamar, kind of with a small asterisk, and, and Russell Wilson in the AFC. And so we'll see how it goes, but we got a five week sprint to the finish, seven teams vying for three spots and the best teams crossing their fingers and hoping the bills don't make it. The Texans don't make it. And the Bengals team we saw last night doesn't make it. If that Bengals team makes it, they're going to potentially give somebody trouble if they get to the wild card round and nobody expected it after Joe Burrow went out for the year. So what do we expect from the Jaguars now? That Trevor Lawrence may be, and we do, that's the thing about Trevor Lawrence. He injured his knee, I think, against the Saints earlier this year, and he was mm-hmm. back the next week. And he was on the injury report, and then he was off. And Doug Peterson talked about how the offense is still limited by Trevor Lawrence's knee injury. It's like, well, what knee injury? He's off the report. Oh, let's put him back on the report. <laughs> Pay no attention to the man behind the court curtain. Trevor Lawrence is back on the injury report. Moving forward, will he play short week? Cleveland Browns, then Baltimore Ravens, Sunday Night Football. After that, they got three winnable games, even with C.J. Beathard. But here's the moment where it all just happened so fast. Like, you know, like like he got shot. Like, you know what I mean? Just like down. Like, what in the world was that? Well, he got stepped on and he fell. And then he twisted back, landed on it. It was just awkward. And I'm, 
Wondering if he hurt his knee, too. The way he got bet backwards. I know those guys are very flexible, but that ankle injury, and apparently carts have been outlawed, among with the many other things that have been outlawed in Florida. Carts are outlawed in Jacksonville because he had to make that long, slow walk to the x-ray room. That was kind of bizarre. And people are like, did, like, I'm thinking, does he just want to prove he can walk? Like, what's the point? That's why they have carts. You're yes. clearly impaired. And if your ankle is injured, why are you putting any weight on it? Why are you testing yes. your ankle on the way to get x-rays to see how much damage you've done to your ankle? There's no, there's no upside. Like, hey, hey, you know what? Maybe it's not as bad as we thought. We're bringing you to the x-ray room to find out how bad it is. Well, you were able to walk back here, so maybe it's not as bad. Let's go find out what it is. It was just stupid. It was a great visual for the game but it just was stupid the Jaguars didn't put him on a cart and take him back there for his x-rays I saw something on Twitter that was like there were carts available and carts ready but like he just appeared to wave them off I think it was Ben Baby of uh, ESPN that put that on Twitter last night or whatever they call that website now so it that I think that in some way that was his choice but at a certain point it's kind of like you know when you take the player's helmet from them like, dude, just get on the freaking cart, man. Just do it. Like, just enough do, yeah. with this yeah. mess. Like, yeah. nobody thinks you're soft because you suffered what looked like a pretty I, serious injury on the field. Like, you're throwing down your helmet. You're in obvious pain. Like, let's just get you back there quickly and efficiently and let you get checked out. I, I don't I, – there's no, there's no shame in that, you know? I just I, – I didn't well, like that's that why, But, Miles, Miles. That's why that's why I thought carts weren't there. Like carts are soft. Carts are I know. woke. No carts in Florida. Like I didn't know what the hell was going on. <laughs> carts what? are woke. That's what we got because they're in Florida. That was pretty funny. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um What's not, well, there's nothing funny about the injury. There's nothing funny about that. They blew his brains out all over the Pacific. There's nothing funny about that. We're gonna find out more this week about Trevor Lawrence starting tomorrow with their first injury report. And the news last night was kind of mixed. Sprained ankle, more testing today. And it kind of had that very ominous negative feel because of what we saw. But then Cameron Wolf of NFL Media is putting out tweets about like kind of a jovial atmosphere and in the locker room. He's talking to his teammates and people seem relieved or whatever. And he's standing without a, a, anything on his foot. And he's not using crutches. Well, then a few minutes later, oh, they put a boot on his foot now, and and he does have crutches. crutches. So, yeah, and the thing about sprained ankle, like depending upon where it is, and if you watch the replay, he grabs lower on the ankle. Like some ankle sprains can resolve pretty quickly. The higher mm-hmm. it is, the, the, the higher the ligament damage is up the ankle, the longer it can take. But I've had an ankle sprain that like I couldn't walk one day, and by the next day it's like I'm fine. So, you know, and, and, you know, Trevor Lawrence, well-conditioned athlete, large guy, and, and has shown he can play. He started 46 straight games. I'm not betting against him playing on Sunday. Now, will his mobility be affected? I don't know. But I'm not betting against this guy playing on Sunday. I, I wouldn't either, at least at this point. I mean, we know that Trevor Lawrence is tough, right? I mean, as you mentioned earlier, you know, he was he had that knee injury and they were playing on the short week against New Orleans, uh, and then he still went out there and played. So it's not like we haven't seen Trevor Lawrence play through certain things. It's just going to be, can he protect himself if he's out there? And sometimes when you're a quarterback and you have that ankle and, you know, it's just tough on you. 
and we've seen quarterbacks play through ankle injuries, right? I mean, Patrick Mahomes famously played through the high ankle last year on their way to winning a Super Bowl. So we know it's possible, but everybody is different, right? Every ankle is different. Every injury is a little bit different. So we'll have to see just the, the extent to what this injury is. But as you said, I mean, I, we don't know right now how bad it is. But if there's a chance that Trevor Lawrence can play on Sunday against Cleveland, I, I would bet that he's going to play. Yeah, I agree with you completely. These next two games, critical for the Jacksonville Jaguars as they try to restore what was a clear path to the top seed. And now it's going to be a fight. Dolphins very happy. Ravens very happy about what happened last night because they're now in the driver's seat. Dolphins technically ahead by a little bit. They don't play each other, but we do have Ravens-Jaguars coming up Sunday night football in just about 12 days. Not just about, exactly 12 days. We'll see if Lawrence is back for that one or the Browns game before that. You see the last three games, they should be able to win those games. But we'll see. You know, Any given Sunday or Monday or Thursday or Saturday, you know, these, these games still get played. Guys still want to go win, and the talent gap isn't so broad that the better team just shows up and wins by 30 as we see time and time again. One thing we saw last night, Miles, I want to hit on. A couple of things. One, Jaguars were putting together a nice drive at the start of overtime, working their way down the field. Impressive. C.J. Beathard overcoming what looked like a lingering hand-wrist problem that happened when he fumbled on one of his first snaps in, and you could see he kept going back to that, that the adrenaline wasn't taking over, and it makes me wonder – How's he going to be feeling today? If the adrenaline doesn't take over then, he's going to be feeling something in there today. But the great throw to Calvin Ridley that seemed to be the thing that was going to set up the game-winning touchdown. The holding penalty here. The broadcast was on board with it. Ryan Clark afterward was talking about how he thinks it wasn't a hold because the guy released. And, you know, I look for some sort of restriction and, yeah, you can hold, but there's a little that, yeah, you know what, now that I see it, yeah, it was enough. It was enough. And then the sales job was pretty impressive. But it was enough. It did It did restrict him. I'm fine with it. Look, I'm not going to use that as the latest piece of evidence that the officiating stinks and the function needs to be rebuilt from the ground up. That one's fine. But what bothers me about that, what bothers me about that, Miles, we see stuff like that happen all the time and not get called. They look the other way on it to help the quarterbacks and the the lack of consistency is what's troubling because it it just underscores the broad discretion that the umpire and the referee have when they're stationed behind the action and they're watching that we've seen that happen before and not get flagged we see it happen all the time and not get flagged there was a moment on Thursday night where where Michael Parsons got tackled for crying out loud on his Mm -hmm. way to the quarterback and there was no flag we see it happen and not get flagged and when it happens in that moment, that's when the tinfoil hat, hat crowd says, "Aha! Uh-huh, they want the Bengals to win. The tinfoil hat. Are you speaking for that community as a member of that community? Because no, that's no. what oh. I fight that community. <laughs> I fight that my son is a card carrying member of that community. He is convinced that everything about the NFL is rigged top to bottom, inside out. He, he's worse than I am, if that's even possible. <laughs> we get into yeah. arguments. We get into arguments like storm out the door arguments over whether or not it's rigged because my fallback position continues to be they're not competent enough to rig it. <laughs> it's just they're not. they're not. 
but they're not. But he's convinced they want they want this team. They want that team. ESPN's controlling everything he said. So maybe he has been listening to me a little bit too. Uh, long. Yeah, I think he. Uh, maybe I'm I think a bad that, you know. Once you once you get to a certain age, and like I just spent a week around my mom for Thanksgiving, you just you start to look at different things and mannerisms that your parents have, and then you kind of see those things in yourself, and you're like, oh, that's why I do that. So that's kind of where I would go in this particular thing where you're talking about <laughs> card carrying member of Tinfoil Hat so, Society. So wait, like, so wait, that's you know. <laughs> so so are you saying when you call your mother, she's disappointed? To hear your voice? Does she sound disappointed to hear voices too? No. Does Dr. Simmons she's not like to hear if, from her son? I, I think that she does. And if she's listening right now, which typically she does, hello, mother, <laughs> I love you very much. Um, but, I, you know, I, I thought that that was a hold to get back to the play. I, I thought that that was a hold initially. I mean, when I'm watching it on television and I see that, I'm like, I think that that's a hold. And so when everybody starts celebrating because Calvin Ridley makes an outstanding catch, it's kind of like, mm, well, Let's see. And then they did call the hold. But you're also right in that things like that don't get called all the time, right? Just ask TJ Watt. Just ask Miles Garrett. Ask Micah Parsons, as you brought up. Aaron Donald is another one who gets held all the time. And it has to be particularly egregious when you hold those guys because you almost got to hold them every single play in order to block them, in order to neutralize them. So, those are the things where I, I agree with you. It needs to be more consistent. That's exactly what Mike Brable said last year. You know, if you're going to have different penalties and things like this, just make it con- as consistent as possible. So that way everybody knows what they need to teach during the week in practice, going all the way back to OTAs and then into training camp and all those different things so that you can have the proper techniques so that they're not going to get called and you're not going to get flagged. I feel like this is further evidence that the NFL has slipped back into save the quarterback mode or save the clock tower mode reference to a movie that miles has never seen and will never see. But, but if this save the clock tower initiative is back in effect, it explains why you might've noticed on Sunday Lane Johnson, once again, doing the half-second early start into his pass-block stance so he could deal with Nick Bosa and Chase Young. Jawan Taylor of the Chiefs lined up in the backfield again. You're noticing, because if you just watch the game, there's a rhythm to it. And if someone disrupts it early, you spot it. You just spot it. Tackles leaving early again without the flags. Holding, they're looking the other way on holding to help the quarterbacks. That's what makes what happened last night so strange. Key moment of the game the kind of hold that we see all the time uncalled, and there's the flag that wipes out the big throw, the 42-yard gain that would have put the Jaguars in position to potentially win the game with a walk-off touchdown on the first drive of overtime. The lack of consistency is problematic. And I think I said this yesterday, and it is speculation because they're never going to admit to this, But I believe, based on everything I know and everything I've seen and everything I've read and everything I've written and everything I've heard over the past 23 years, I believe that Roger Goodell said to somebody recently, we got to protect these quarterbacks. we got to protect them. We we have to continue to have a very, very loose standard of what is intentional grounding. We need to let some holding happen if it protects the quarterbacks. We need to throw the flag on the sideline if a quarterback gets hit, even if he's not out of bounds, like Patrick Mahomes wasn't out of bounds on Sunday night. I just feel like as more and more quarterbacks get injured, 
there's a greater urgency to allow the things that tend to protect quarterbacks, Miles. That's what makes the hold last night head-scratching because we're going to see more of those holds over the balance of the season that aren't called. Well, right. And also, I mean, when you see another quarterback go down, especially for a contender in the AFC, it's kind of like, well, I understand why that is. And also, if you're Roger Goodell, you probably don't have to necessarily tell people, let's protect these quarterbacks. It's more or less, nah, you know, wouldn't it be better if we protected some of these quarterbacks? Right. It's the whole who will rid me of this meddlesome priest thing once again, which I love whenever I can say right? you don't necessarily have to be that direct about it because you see all of these quarterbacks across the National Football League. All these starting quarterbacks are going out and not all of them are because, oh, you know, the defense is so aggressive and it's this and it's that. I mean, last night with Trevor Lawrence, that's friendly fire. Right. His tackle steps on him, and then because he steps on him, then Trevor Lawrence gets bit backwards as he is now on the ground. So these things happen. It's football. Injuries are going to happen. But I I understand the impulse or the impetus or whatever you want to call it to say, hey, let's try to protect these dudes as much as we possibly can because our product as a whole is not going to be as good if the best quarterbacks are not on the field. And, you know, as we continue to see, that keeps happening across the National Football League. Would it be considered irony if a quarterback gets injured by a tackle who started into his pass block set early in order to protect the quarterback from injury, and he started so early that he went back into the quarterback and stepped on his ankle and injured it? I think that would be ironic. Don't you I think? think it would be too. Yes, yes, I, I do, and not in in Alanis Morissette way, in an actual ironic no, the real way. way. Yes, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> okay, so something I didn't realize happened, and I watched the whole game. It's funny you can sit and watch a whole game and just I don't know. Maybe it's because of this thing that you kind of miss miss. <laughs> say if you're texting or tweeting, maybe you miss some things. Jamar Chase had the long touchdown. He had a celebration that apparently he felt compelled to address afterward. Can we show the celebration before we hear from him? Because I don't I still don't think I've seen whatever it is that he did that he felt like he had to address after the fact. This is the play. Twelve minutes left in the third quarter. Great catch, great throw, great run. Don't even bother. You're not gonna catch him. Oh, he slowed down and turned and got pushed in the end zone. Is that what he's that's it? That's it? That's what he's apologizing for or addressing. All right. Well, that's what it was. And it it caused him to address after the game this little stop and turn and backpedal into the end zone that got him shoved. Here he is after the game talking about why he did what he did. I was just going to be, you know what I'm saying, be a jerk. Let's just say that. I was just going to be a jerk today. Take towels. Just do stuff. Why? I just felt like being an evil person today. So. Well, you were nasty. Any, any reason why for being evil or just? Uh, nah. I just, in pregame, I just told T, like, T, I just feel like being evil today. You feel like when you walk out uh, at the locker room here, you're going to feel like a villain walking out? I don't know. I feel like one right now. What? I love the self-awareness, and I love the willingness to embrace his inner demons. You know, some days you just feel like being a jerk. I can relate to that. On uh, most no, days. Man, I'm going to be no a jerk. Stuff, Sherlock. <laughs> I'm going to be a jerk, and I'm going to enjoy it. I mean, if you're going to be a uh, always enjoy what you do. If you feel like being a jerk, why suppress it if it doesn't hurt anybody? Why suppress it, right? 
go ahead and be a jerk. And it reminded me. Now, it wasn't all that egregious. I did see that when it happened. I just didn't think there was anything all that bad about it. There was a game 2001, a Monday night game, where Randy Moss kind of did that turn and high step backward into the end zone, a little taunt. I think he got fined and possibly flagged for that. But, uh, yeah, I got no problem with that. That's just that's just a guy enjoying his life and embracing that periodic temptation to, you know, the, 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 the devil on one shoulder, the angel on the other. Sometimes it's fun if the devil wins. I mean, if you're going to be, be a jerk in context. Uh, oh, boy. Okay. That can be taken uh, out of context. Uh-huh. I, I was just going to move on from that. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm going to. Now, if you're going to be a jerk and, you know, you're going to catch 11 passes for 149 yards and a touchdown, like, I think that everybody would say, hey, Jamar, yeah, he should be a jerk all the time. Not that that's not, you know, his level of production. Jamar Chase is one of the most outstanding receivers in football, so that's fine, but it is. It's great. You know, you you catch 11 of 12 targets. The only pass that he did not catch was one right at his chest, you know, and then he drops that one Turned up on field. the next play. It's Turned fourth up down. too early. Yes, he did. And on the next play on fourth down, Browning doesn't throw the most catchable ball possible. But what does Javar Chase do? The outstanding thing where he gets his hands down and, you know, he makes the catch and then he turns up field and then he gets that first down on fourth down. So I don't know. It was not like, you know, Jamar Chase did speaking of Randy Moss, you know, a disgusting act where he's going up to the goalpost and, you know, effectively mooning the crowd. It's not like he did that. He didn't even throw up the deuces like Tyreek Hill. I, I, that one, I don't know. I just thought he was celebrating that. That really didn't, you know, register to me at all as anything. And, you know, the fact that you have a Jamar Chase makes it a lot easier to have your backup quarterback in the game. And Hell yeah, it does. To the extent that the Vikings, are, the Vikings are getting Justin Jefferson back this weekend. Speaking of Randy mm-hmm. Moss, ties to the Purple People Eaters, they're getting mm-hmm. Justin Jefferson back this weekend. That may make whoever plays quarterback look a lot better because just kind of throw it in the vicinity of one of the great receivers in football like Jake Browning did last night repeatedly with Jamar Chase. And he had that one catch where he was falling to the ground. We saw it earlier in one of the highlight packages, and they were saying, oh, he shows off his great hands. Well, he dropped the initial attempt. The great hands came into play as he bobbled it and caught it because he made it look harder than it needed to be because he initially dropped it. He just recovered and caught it before it hit the ground. But that would have been a drop. It was in his hands. But still, that's how good he is. He can drop it and still make the catch. And, uh, yeah, Jamar Chase playing like that, you can get away with not having Joe Burrow, and maybe the Bengals can find a way into the postseason. All right, we find our way to our first break of the program. When we return, one of the big stories coming out of the 13th Sunday of the 2023 season, the Big Dom DeSandro incident on the sideline in the Eagles 49ers game. Eagles coach Nick Sirianni addressed it yesterday. We'll let you hear what he had to say when PFT Live continues right after The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 